You're listening to the Lucas Italy podcast with food, culture and history from the land of Polpette and Palermo. I'm Luca Marchiori and today I'll be talking about how a flowery tube became a symbol of the Godfather. I used to travel to the United States a lot for work and one evening I remember I was in Boston and my colleagues took me out for what was an amazing pizza in the North End district. And after dinner, one of my colleagues said, let's not stay here for dessert, but let's go to this little place I know down the road and we can have limoncello and cannoli. And I said, um, limoncello and what? And she said, cannoli. Uh, and I said, what are cannoli? And she said, you're Italian and you don't know what cannoli are? But I didn't. Anyway, so we went there and basically I discovered what cannoli were. Now, those of you who are regular listeners to this podcast will not be surprised, as my friend was, that an Italian might not have heard of another Italian dish. Because as we all know by now, Italian food is incredibly regional. And I was born and spent most of my time in Italy up until the time I was 18 in the north of Italy. And cannoli are from Sicily, which is in the south. Just to give you a broad outline of Italian geography, uh, Italy is divided into 20 regions, and then these regions are informally divided into four different areas. Um, you have the north, you have the northern centre, then you have the southern centre, and then you have the south. Now, the north is more or less the area north of the River Po. The northern centre takes you down to the borders between Tuscany and Umbria on the one hand, and Lazio on the other hand. Then Lazio, Abruzzo, and possibly Campania are the southern centre, and then everything else is the south. So Sicily, where the cannoli come from, is firmly in the south, and Venice and Piemonte, where I spent most of my time, are firmly in the north. Now later, and in fact after this incident in the United States, I moved a bit further south to Tuscany, and basically there were no cannoli there either. And then one day, which must have been about 15 years ago, I'd say, I was in Assisi, which is in Umbria, and I passed a pastry shop, and in the window there were some cannoli, and they were labelled cannoli, and nothing else in the window was labelled, so it was almost as if the people in Umbria who were selling these cannoli needed to tell people what they were, because they might not have been recognised. And then a couple of years after that, I was in Arezzo, which is still in Tuscany, and there was a, an Italian food fair with food trucks and stalls which came from all over Italy. And there was a big stall there selling cannoli, and the people who were selling it um, had brought them overnight all the way from Sicily. So they were real Sicilian cannoli, and basically people were buying them like hot cakes, even though they're cold. And it's about this time that I noticed cannoli beginning to appear in pastry shops and cafes and bars, certainly in the uh, northern centre of Italy and probably also in the north. And in recent years, they've become very diffuse all over the peninsula. But they are still recognised very much as a Sicilian thing. In fact, they have official recognition as a traditional product of Sicily by the Italian government. And in fact, in large cities like Rome, where there are Sicilian communities, you can more or less only find them in Sicilian bars and pastry shops. Um, just before we go any further, I want to explain, I'm saying cannoli, which is the English pronunciation of the word. In Italian, you say it a little bit differently, you say cannoli with a long double N in the middle. 
Also, in Italian, the word cannoli is plural, and there is a singular version, cannolo, which doesn't tend to exist in English. Um, in English, particularly in the United States, when you're talking about one, you say one cannoli. And in fact, this forms part of the Anglo-Saxon phenomenon of taking plural Italian words and making them singular. Um, panini, I'm looking at you. So what are the origins of this most Sicilian of pastries? There's an off-cited Latin quotation, which is usually attributed to the orator, the ancient Roman orator, Marcus Tullius Cicero. And in the year 75 BC, Cicero was appointed quaestor um, in Western Sicily, in the town which is now Marsala. And um, quaestor was an ancient Roman magistrate who was a bit like the um, head of taxing and spending. And he's supposed to have written that in Sicily, they eat a thing which he described as a tubus farinarius dulcissimo edulo ex lacte fartus. And this translates as a tube made of flour, which is very sweet to eat and stuffed with milk. And this does sound very much like a canolo. Sorry, I'm a little bit too Italian to say a cannoli. The phrase stuffed with milk is taken to refer to ricotta, um, which, as you know, is a kind of Italian soft cheese. And ricotta is made by taking the whey, which is a byproduct of an other kind of cheese, and then acid is added to make it coagulate, and it's boiled, and eventually it turns into ricotta. And we know that this process is very, very old, and that this kind of cheese has been being made in Europe for at least 3,000 years. And in fact, archaeologists have identified vessels which were used for boiling the milk or boiling the whey and making the ricotta. Now, as I say, ricotta is a byproduct of making other cheese, and so it can be made with cow's milk, with goat's milk, with buffalo milk, and with sheep's milk. And sheep's milk ricotta, ricotta di pecora, is the most widely used in the making of cannoli. And this shouldn't be a surprise because sheep's milk cheese is something which was very common in the ancient world. And in fact, many of the oldest cheeses in Europe, um, I'm thinking of feta, but also pecorino romano, um, are made from sheep's milk. As we'll find out in a later episode, in the name of the cheese Pecorino Romano, Romano, Roman, doesn't refer to modern Rome, but it refers to the ancient Roman culture. And as we'll see um, when we come to that episode, Pecorino doesn't have to be made in Rome or near Rome to be Pecorino Romano. Now, as I say, this quotation from Cicero is off-cited, but unfortunately, I can only find a reference to it going back to the 1970s. Um, in fact, in 1970, a book called I Siciliani a Tavola was published posthumously. It was the work of a Sicilian duke called Alberto Denti di Piragno. And he was a very colourful figure who, after the Second World War, reinvented himself as a gastronome and wrote lots of books about food. And he, as far as I can work out, is the first person to attribute this phrase to Cicero. And I can't find his source um, which says that it is Cicero. So if anybody out there knows and can tell me, I'd be really grateful. However, the phrase does turn up in a dictionary in 1751 um, under the definition of cannolo, but it doesn't attribute it to Cicero. Anyway, Piraino 
only uses the quote to show that obviously a sweet a pastry with this form was being eaten in Sicily in ancient Roman times. But he really attributes the invention of the modern canolo uh, to the time in which the Arabs were occupying Sicily. So from the year 831 to the year 1091, the island of Sicily was under Arab rule with a caliph. And it's at this point that the Arabs introduced cane sugar to Sicily and therefore to the rest of Italy. The ancient Romans and early medieval Italians had used honey and other natural sweeteners instead of sugar because sugar was, until this period, unknown. And so his theory says that the Arabs took a pre-existing Sicilian pastry, the one described by Cicero, and amended it by adding sugar to the to the ricotta, which is pretty much how it's made today. And he says also that all of this took place in a town called Caltanissetta. Now, Caltanissetta, which is pretty much in the centre of the island of Sicily, has very ancient origins. It's supposed to have been founded in 406 BC by none other than Hannibal, he of the elephants, and he called it Castra Nicia or Castra Nicia, Nicia just being a name, Castra meaning fortress. And when the Arabs came along in the 800s, they noticed that the word Nicia was similar, or Nicia was similar to the Arabic word Nisa, meaning women. And so they renamed the place Kal Atal Nisa, which in Arabic means the fortress of the women. And obviously from Calatalnisa, it's a short hop to Caltanissetta. It's interesting to note as well that the people from Caltanissetta today are called Niseni, which obviously refers back to the ancient name of the town as well. Now, because the Arabs called the place Calatalnisa, the fortress of the women, it's thought that there was a harem placed in the fortress. And the theory therefore goes that it was within the harem that the modern Canolo was born. So basically the Arabs taking this original tubus farinarius and changing the lacte to ricotta with sugar. And they also point to the fact that the shape of the Canolo is rather suggestive, making it perfect food for being eaten in a harem. Now, as I said, there's no proof that there was this harem in Caltanissetta. And in fact, the Niza, the women, could easily have been nuns living in a nunnery in the town of Caltanissetta. Because during the Arab occupation, although Sicily was officially Muslim, there was tolerance for Judaism and Christianity as well. So Christianity continued in Sicily in the same way that it had before and in the same way that it did afterwards. So because of this, some people say that the cannoli were invented by nuns in Caltanissetta and not by the ladies in the harem. Now, there's another theory as well, which also points to the, should I say, slightly phallic shape of the cannolo, which says that it was invented in medieval times as a carnival sweet, as a traditional food to be eaten during carnival because of the shape. And in fact, the, the word canolo in Sicily today can be used to refer to that part of the male body. So what about the canolo today? Well, I'm sure most of you are familiar with cannoli and what they actually are. Um, but just in case, I will tell you exactly how they're made. Now, you start off with a disc of pastry 
which is between 15 and 20 centimeters in diameter. And this pastry is made from flour, white wine, sugar, and lard. And then these discs are wrapped around metal tubes, and then they're deep fried. It's thought that originally they were wrapped around reeds, and reed in Italian is canna, and so cannoli is obviously related to the word canna for reed. If you think about it, it's the same derivation as the pasta tubes, which are known as cannelloni. So you then need to leave your tubes to cool down, and then you make the filling, and the filling is made from ricotta di pecora, which has been passed through a sieve, and then whipped together with sugar, and then candied peel, and often today chocolate chips are stirred through the filling, which is then placed inside the tube. And often you find them decorated or even flavoured with pistacchio and also bits of candied orange peel. Uh, the pistacchio and the orange are um, considered to be typical products of the island of Sicily. And you sometimes find them decorated also with glacé cherries or candied citron, which is green. Now, this is the typical canolo, but you find that there are variations in size. You get very small ones and also in filling um, in the east of Sicily, uh, in the province of Ragusa, for example, they use a ricotta that's made from cow's milk, not from sheep's milk. So what is it that makes these cannoli so absolutely delicious? Well, I think there are two keys here. The first one is that the outside is deep fried, and actually deep frying anything tends to make it tasty. And the other thing is that there is lard in the pastry. One of my favourite films of all time is Julie and Julia, um, which tells the parallel stories of Julia Child, the, the mother of French cooking in the United States, and also Julie Powell, a blogger who blogged her way through the whole of Julia Child's cookbook. And in the film, the Julie Powell character says the following. She says, think it over. Every time you taste something that's delicious beyond imagining and you say, what's in this? The answer is always going to be butter. And in fact, one of the reasons that French cooking and particularly French pastries are supposed to be so delicious is that they contain an awful lot of butter. And lard is the Italian version of butter in patisserie. Every time you taste a pastry, which is just really, really, really good, um, you know it's going to have lard in it. So today, unlike that evening in Boston, I am fully apprised as to what cannoli are. Um, I love them. Um, I eat them every time I go to Sicily. I eat them every time I go past a Sicilian pastry shop. And in fact, I even make them at home. I have a full set of metal cannoli tubes, which I use to wrap the uh, pastry around. And in fact, I've even invented a savoury version of a cannolo, which I did for the Parma Ham Consortium, the, the people who check that Parma ham is being made correctly. And um, it's been published online, and I will leave the link in the show notes. But I also think it was really appropriate that I discovered cannoli in the United States, because cannoli are something which is very dear to the Italian-American community. And in fact, if you watch TV shows such as The Sopranos and films such as The Godfather, there are always cannoli present. And in fact, one of the most famous cannoli quotes comes from a scene from The Godfather in which two hitmen basically kill one of the characters who is driving in his car 
and there's a box of cannoli in the car that he was taking home. And the gunman, after assassinating this person, one of the gunmen says to the other, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Now, although the Godfather predates my trip to the United States, and so really I should have known what cannoli are from this, um, I will tell you that I've never seen the film The Godfather, and I've also never watched The Sopranos. So um, I think I'm allowed to not have known what a cannoli was way back when. And there, at the end of the podcast, I said it. I said a cannoli. So once again, thank you for your continued support of the podcast and for your ratings and your very kind words and reviews. I've got a review to read out this week. This comes from someone called Kristen Fred, and it says, So entertaining. I can't get enough of this podcast. The food descriptions are mouthwatering and the history that goes along very enlightening. It's lovely to have the Italian language sprinkled in. And there's humour too. Keep them coming, please, Luca. Well, thank you very much uh, for those very kind words, and I hope they're really merited. And uh, as I say, thank you so much, all of you, for listening and for giving me feedback to the podcast. So I'll be back next week with another slice of Italian food, culture and history. All that remains is for me to wish you a very happy week and hope that you all stay safe. Ciao.